Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Emily Lita. And we're your hosts for today's show. Very excited to have you with us. We've got an outstanding show. Going to get started here momentarily. But Emily, do you know whose feast day it is today? Uh, St. Lawrence. Of Brindisi. And That's do you, right. Now you studied in Rome. Do you remember? Do you... Do you remember? It's early here. My only my have, only Lawrence connotation is the one that said, turn me over and roast me on the other side. Right, is this the him. same Lawrence? No, that's the deacon. That's next month. But okay. how do you say Lawrence in Italian? That's what I'm wondering. Do you remember how I say, Lorenzo. Yeah. Lorenzo. Did I get it? Lorenzo. Nice. Exactly. Nice. That was a guess in the dark. So San Lorenzo di Brindisi. You which is it. much better than St. Lawrence of Brindisi. Yeah, way better. Okay, so <laughs> folks are like, what is going on? Happy feast day. He's a, it's his feast day. What I, we're going to do for prayer, I'm just going to read a little bit from Magnificat's introduction, the monthly devotional to who this guy is, and then we're going to use the opening prayer from Mass, the Collect, to get us started. So St. Lawrence was born in 1559 in Brindisi, Italy. He joined the Capuchins, becoming a masterful scholar of Scripture. Um, later, Lawrence was made the chaplain of the Imperial Army under Rudolf II. Aha, Rudolf. At, now this is why I went, at Stuhlweissenburg. <laughs> Stuhlweissenburg. You're really getting your accents in this morning. <laughs> near Budapest, Lawrence rode into battle, clutching only a crucifix. On the final day of the battle, Lawrence wore out five horses. The Ottoman forces were defeated, and he died in 1619. Just, can you imagine, like a Capuchin friar riding into battle, not with a sword, but with the crucifix? Yeah. He's our guy for today. And winning. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who for the glory of your name and the salvation of souls bestowed on the priest St. Lawrence of Brindisi a spirit of counsel and fortitude, grant, we pray, that in the same spirit we may know what must be done and through his intercession bring it to completion. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Anything strike you from that prayer, by chance? Um, honestly, the image that you shared beforehand was where our, my mm. my heart was remaining. Yeah. Just the, the confidence of that and <clears throat> how often I lack faith in the ordinary things. Oh, sure. You know, not even riding in a battle, but riding into that five o'clock hour when I'm home with my girls <laughs> trying to get dinner ready. That's your battle. That's my battle. And do I invite Jesus into that? Yeah. Let alone the bigger, you know, sufferings or struggles that we might experience in life. So, um, yeah, honestly, my, my mind and my That's heart was just were. fixed on yeah. that image. This, um, uh, Grant that so he's got a spirit of counsel and fortitude. Grant that in the same spirit we may know what we may know what must be done and bring it to completion. Yeah. So Lord, let us know what we need to do and then do it and do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yep. So that's so good. Um, we are going to be joined here uh, momentarily by Deacon Harold Burke Severs. Um, who's been in our diocese, the Diocese of Zoo Falls, a couple times before. Um, but we're going to be talking about 
um, the issue of racism. So it's, we got him for 45 minutes. Um, so we're going to have him momentarily, but I'm really excited about this because you and I have talked a little bit, obviously, um, in light of what's going on um, with, with ever since the George Floyd um, killing yeah. in Minneapolis at the end of May um, and the, the protests and riots since then. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing his perspective. Yeah, same here. And we have awesome an awesome show throughout the whole day. We're going to talk a little bit about missionary discipleship, yep. which has been kind of a catchphrase uh, in churches across the country. And uh, here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, we've been on the discipleship bandwagon for a while. And it's it's really been a great joy to kind of see the deepening. So we're going to talk to Father Scott Trainer about that a little later on this morning. Yep. And then Hannah Bonilla, we're actually, you know, so usually... Um, we kind of do an honor, the, honor your father's segment, um, but we're going to have her be able to share her story, uh, which is going to be a lot of uh, fun. And then ending the show with Heidi Vanderbeek. Um, <clears throat> before we get into uh, you, uh, you, you, you had something that you wanted to share with me, but do you want to save it till later? Did you know that it's Natural Family Planning Awareness Week? No. Are you aware of natural family planning? Yes. <laughs> that was my joke that I've been waiting all morning. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I wanted so badly to say, are you aware of natural family planning? Um, but happy natural family planning week as well. Maybe we can talk about that a little later on when we have Sounds a few good. minutes and some of the resources Sounds that are available. Yep. Um, but first, let's get started with Deacon Harold Burke Seavers. Deacon Harold, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Good morning, Deacon. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Good. I was thinking that we're waking you up very early because you're on the, le- the, the West Coast, but then somebody reminded me that you've got a radio show that airs even earlier. So I'm sure you're like primed and ready to go, right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So what time do you wake up in the morning? Uh, 3 a.m. <gasps> what time do you go to bed? <laughs> uh, somewhere around 9.30 or 10. Holy cow, Deacon. Do you, do you take a nap during the day? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't always happen, though. I got a lot going on. So. You that are... does not sound like a good solid eight hour hours of sleep, Deacon. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the last time I had eight hours of sleep. Oh, Deacon. So. Well, so, so apart from your um, lack of eight hours of sleep, why don't you share a little bit with, with our audience here in the upper Midwest a little bit about yourself in case they've never listened before? Uh, well, I was born in uh, Barbados in the West Indies. We immigrated to the United States when I was almost three years old. My mom is the first Catholic in our family. She's a convert uh, from Methodism. And uh, I am the first baptized Catholic in our family. So mm-hmm. my mom raised us Catholic, went to Catholic schools, um, uh, went to in- including uh, grade school, high school, college, and graduate school, uh, Catholic institutions. After college, I worked for a year, then joined a monastic community. And after I discerned out of that community, met my wife and uh, moved across the country to Oregon, where she's from, and lived here for the past 25 years, spent a 23-year career in law enforcement, and uh, am now speaking and writing full-time. The Catholic faith was ordained a deacon back in uh, 2002. You mentioned you moved across... wife, four kids, yeah. So sorry, I sorry. Just, you mentioned you moved cross country because born in Barbados, but you grew up in New Jersey, right? Yes. Yep. yep. So New Jersey, New Jersey, 
and then uh, undergrad at Notre Dame. So you've been progressively making yourself further west. I don't. Where do you go? Where do you, but where do you go from Oregon? I mean, I don't Alaska. Like, <laughs> what's next in the westward route that your life has taken you? Well, I think we're going to be here for a while. You know, there's a reason why we're in Oregon. So that's where my wife is from. And so, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Awesome. So, Deacon, you said you do a lot of speaking and writing, and uh, recently you came on with Chris Bergwald to Ignition to talk about racism and uh, racism in America, the Christian response to what's going on. You just do a lot of speaking and um, and writing. I'm not sure if you've done a lot of writing yet about racism. I, I know I saw a few articles. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how Catholics should respond to kind of the recent, um, oh, what's a good word for it? Just the the great awareness that has come forward about racism in America, but also the great debate about racism in America. How should Catholics respond? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things that I like to make uh, talking about um, uh, racism as opposed to prejudice, right? So... Um, so prejudice is, uh, with regard to race, think really preconceived notion about someone that's really not based on any factual or objective experience. So, for example, sometimes people see me and they say, oh, you went to Notre Dame. What position did you play? As if the only way I could get into a school like that is to play football. And, uh, and I, rem- I tell them that I've never played football in my life. You throw pads on the floor. I have no idea how to put them on. They just see big black guys, so they just <laughs> and went to Notre Dame, so they just assume I play football. The question yep. they should ask is, "What did I study?" Yeah, you know. Um, so things like that. That's not a racist statement. You know, what position did you play? But it's definitely a prejudiced one because it's they're just making a, a, a subjective leap, not based on anything that's factual. Where racism comes in. It's, it's prejudice or discrimination with the added piece that the reason why I'm saying this or acting this way toward you is because I believe that my race is superior to your race. Right. So organizations like the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists and things like that would be, uh, would be a, good, a good model of what, of what racism is. And so we have to recognize that sometimes within ourselves, even as, even as Catholics, we have prejudices within us uh, that may cause us to act in a way that's unchattable towards someone of another race. And this goes back all the way to even the, the Jim Crow era. You know, um, in, in many churches, in fact, there's still parishioners in my church in Immaculate Heart of Mary who came up, their families came up during World War II to work in the shipyards in Portland. And they still remember their places where, in churches, where they weren't welcome. They were told you have to go to the quote-unquote black church, black Catholic church, or if they were allowed in church, they had to sit in the back or sit in the choir loft. They weren't allowed to mingle with the rest of the congregation. And that was and in the or- Catholic Church. In, and that's you know? in or- <laughs> and not just in the South, but that's in Oregon, Deacon. That was in Oregon. Is that where uh, they were? Yeah, and a lot. Of, yeah, and, and, uh, in Oregon, yeah, they experienced some of that wow. uh, as well. Okay. Yeah, so it's just it's just crazy. You know, the Catholic Church is supposed to be anti-cultural, <laughs> you know, countercultural, because that's the gospel. The message of the gospel is countercultural. Uh, but but so and so you know you, you carry those, those those things are carried forth. So what do we have to do to respond to that? First of all, then we have to recognize that many of us may have these prejudices within us, even if it's subliminal, even if we don't understand exactly where they come from. We know that that it's, it's learned behavior. 
So we have to learn, like what St. Teresa of Calcutta did, to recognize the presence of Christ, to see the image and likeness of God in the person standing in front of us. Mm. You know, that's what she did so well, working with the poorest of the poor on the streets of Calcutta in, in, in India. And that's what we need to do. Um, and to crucify the prejudices and, the, and the, maybe the racist attitudes, to acknowledge them that we have them, and then work to crucify them in that way of thinking. And again, to, to, to really see God and the other person standing in front of us. And so one of the ways that we can do that is by appreciating the gift of cultural diversity in the Church. You know, one thing that I've noticed in the, during this whole debate over the past few months is, is people are saying, well, you know, unless, for example... Unless it's Gregorian chant, it's not really Catholic Mass. So I'm like, give me a break. You know, I've been to 19 countries around the world, and I've experienced the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It's beautiful and reverent with Chinese uh, singing, with Vietnamese singing, with, um, you know, African singing in, in Swahili or, or Sotu or, 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 you know, one of the other uh, African languages. Beautiful. You know, um, just... And, and to and realize that what I was saying was cross pollination in the parishes, um, having maybe a potluck, you know, where people of different cults are bringing their foods and are intermingling, and then have the people of color stand up and kind of tell their share their stories and experiences of what it's like to be a Catholic in the church today, you know, and just I think we have a, just a, a real appreciation for the gift that others bring uh, to our to our holy Catholic faith. Deacon, what what are some um, other ways that we can sort of uh, purify well, purify ourselves of those prejudices and even maybe maybe a latent racism that we might have? So uh, you talked about how just recognizing that the person in front of me is creating the image and likeness of God. Um, I love the example that you gave earlier, like. You went to Notre Dame, so people assume, oh, what position did you, you must have played in football there. Um, those, those sort of assumptions, that they're oftentimes presumptions that we're not even aware of. Um, so, so what are some other ways that we can sort of, like, I don't know, I guess in a sense do an examination of conscience about the, maybe the um, assumed or, or implicit pre- prejudices that we might have? Well, I think one of the ways, too, is, is through dialogue and understanding. You know, um, uh, back in 2016, in response to, you know, some um, incidents between uh, African-Americans and police in Los Angeles, two rappers sat down with the Los Angeles police chief and the mayor. And it, was, and it wasn't, you know, to, to, to yell and scream at them and complain, but it was about opening the doors to dialogue and understanding. You know, and I think efforts like that need to be uh, applauded. You know, it needs to be multiplied. Um, where, where communication barriers uh, are shattered and respectful dialogue is open, you know, and, and I, think, I think in building in uh, building integrity and sharing wisdom and imparting knowledge, it, it really leads to uh, reciprocity of love and change, like real change. Um, reaching out to compassion for those of different races, to hearing their stories and responding with empathy and, and working through differences with what the scriptures write, with humble and contrite hearts. Mm. Uh, uh, so we can really create a, a harmonic of love. I mean, that, that's really what it's all. You have to start with love, you know, and uh, I don't see a lot of that today. A lot of it, I think, quite frankly, is a dearth of leadership. You know, back in the um, uh, 60s, you had Martin Luther King, and in South Africa, you had Nelson, Nelson Mandela. 
I mean, of course, those guys are like great. I mean, they're one of a kind. Is there going to be another one of those guys? But but there's no one today that people can rally around and say, yes, here's the voice of reason. Here's someone that can bring all of us together. So in lieu of that, you have all these fractions and you have all this divisiveness and hatred. And I think we Catholics can be the ones that, um, you know, that, that can stand up to this and say, no, our faith in Jesus Christ supersedes any sin that was within us. We know the power of God's love and conversion and reconciliation can overpower the work of the devil that's trying to work, as, as we heard in the gospel this past weekend, sowing the, the weed among the seeds, um, you know, among the good seeds. Um, you know, it's the, that's the devil's trying to cause division, and we can bring harmony if we focus on on uh, on what it means to be Catholic and cooperating with the grace of the sacraments. Hmm. Deacon, there's a lot of voices that are speaking out, and so it's interesting to me that, and I think you're you're exactly right that there's a lot of divisiveness and a lot of difference um, kind of sanctions within the movement and within the conversation. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about what you feel like is maybe missing. From some of those voices, maybe it's maybe it's the lack of reason, kind of like you mentioned, or a balanced approach, or or is it ability to communicate and be a bridge rather than uh, I, I don't know. Do what do you see missing in the voices of leadership um, in this area? Well, I, I th- well, there's a lot of raw emotion right now because obviously the, the killing of Mr. Floyd and others have been horrific. Uh, and have been front and center in, in the face of, of uh, uh, the face of the nation, and as it was so so in response to that, we've seen protests, we've seen speeches, we've seen um, both respectful and disrespectful exchanges between people about these. This is very, very um, uh, difficult issues to deal with. Um, but again, what I think what's missing here are solutions. I mean, you can protest all day long, but where are the concrete solutions? Um, Who's really addressing this um, and seriously putting a plan to move this country forward in in improving race relations? I haven't seen anything. Now, again, bishops have also, Catholic bishops, put out statements. That's wonderful. But statements aren't solutions. Um, we, we, We really need... Uh, 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 again, some leadership, some strong leadership, you know, um, uh, to, to stand up and say, yes, let, here's the, a plan. Here's a, a, a national plan for what we can do. And here's how the Catholic Church can lead the way. Because, you know, notice how sometimes a lot of ways the church, we're always coming from behind. You know, like they, they, the, the, the Supreme Court supposed, which they didn't do, of course, but they so-called redefine marriage. And then we come up with a statement afterwards. We're always behind. This is an opportunity for the church to get in front of something, to be to, to be that leadership that's that's missing right now in this dialogue, um, to be the face of those who are dis- disenfranchised in keeping with our Catholic social principles and teachings. And um, you know, again, we're just not seeing that. So I think um, you know uh, that that we that we need that kind of bold uh, in front leadership, not just to lead the church, but also to heal the nation. Uh, Deacon, we're, we're coming up on a, on a break momentarily. Um, a- after our break, I just along 
along these lines that you're talking about in terms of leadership and, and, and dovetailing off of Emily's question, I think one of the issues that we're seeing is that there are all sorts of other agendas that are being advocated, maybe even smuggled in, some of which are deeply contrary um, to our faith, but frankly, even more broadly, contrary to what it means to be human in terms of attacking the idea of the nuclear family and advocating for all sorts of quote-unquote rights. Um, and, and, and how do we, is, is there a, a message that can unify the nation while not not including some of those discordant elements. That, that's what I, I'd be curious to hear about from you um, when we come up after this short break. Again, I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Emily Leadham. And we are visiting today in Real Presence Live with Deacon Harold Burke Seavers of the problem of race in our country. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Mount Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible. and We hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You may know that suicide rates are skyrocketing, but do you know why? I'm Father Chris Alar. While suicide is often related to depression, the effects and causes are different. For example, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and substance abuse are likely effects of depression, whereas purposelessness and hopelessness are the causes of depression. And if you don't see any purpose in life, you will have no hope. In a world that says happiness is found only in sex, money, and power, you will never be completely satisfied. There is only one thing that can bring true happiness, and without it, you will fall into depression and despair. So, to find this hope, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost, and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're here with Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we are having an awesome conversation with Deacon Harold Burke Sievers regarding racism. Chris, you, I want to go back to you. You were kind of staging up a question that you wanted to ask Deacon 
right before our break. Yeah, I was uh, Deacon again. That that I, I we loved Emily and I both loved what you're talking about the need for for more leadership and maybe it's the Catholic Church that can uh, provide that leadership. But the problem of um, other agendas being smuggled in, and I'm thinking of one that's come to the forefront: um, the the organization Black Lives Matter. There's there's some a lot of con- uh, not controversy maybe, but discussion because certainly the statement Black Lives Matter is uh, is a praiseworthy one. Um, but the organization Black Lives Matter is actually they're the, Marxist communists. So it's 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 a, frankly it's impossible for us as Catholics to support the organization. So how do we how do we look at that? How do we respond to that? What do we do with that in light of as you said the need for for unifying leadership on this issue in our country? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, you know the, the statement Black Lives Matter as a concept, as a statement of truth, as a social movement is good. But the Black Lives Matter national organization is something that Catholics cannot support. And here's why. Just go to their website and take and go to about and just see what see what they say about themselves. It, yeah. it talks about that you know we, we are guided by the fact that Black Lives Matter, that which is good. And then we make space for transgender brothers and sisters. Oh, okay, what does that have to do with Black Lives Matter? We are uh, you know, self-reflective and require and uh, do the work required to dismantle cisgen- cisgender privilege. <clears throat> so cisgender just means that you are actually the sex that you were born with. So they want to dismantle the fact that boys are males and males and females are females and uplift, again, uplift black trans folks. What does that have to do with Black Lives Matter? Um, they want to affirm that black women um, are free from misogyny and environments where men are centered. And then right after that, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. In other words, father, mother, children. They want to destroy that. And finally, they say we're a queer affirming network. I'm sorry. What does any of that have to do with Black Lives Matter? Here's what I don't understand. Where is actually their plan to end racism? Where is it? It's not there. There's a whole other agenda, as you said, Dr. Bergwall, um, of, of, of this socialist agenda, which has, they're using the veneer of Black Lives Matter, another agenda which has nothing Black Lives Matter. Let me say this as well, because we want to do to counter that, I've seen a lot of this, all lives matter. That is true. We Catholics from conception to natural death, we all lies mostly true, but let's make a, 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 a subject here. You have to understand, not my organization, Black Lives Matter, I'm talking social, just the, the concept, the statement. Of, so if someone says, Black, you, you come back with this matter, you got to understand Black, community, who's who hear say that all lives, and the reason why there's Black Lives Matters, we are are acknowledging that there are injustices done to members of our by those in authority. We want to acknowledge that. So when you say all lives matter, some Black people may take that as you are diminishing and and um, kind of lowering our position here, and kind of just you know. So we're so our um, our, our voice is being lost. 
and our and our hearts are not being heard because you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to incorporate us into the all light. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm not saying it's not a good thing. But sometimes you have to understand that that the that the the, the, the good social message uh, uh, and the concept of Black Lives Matter could be lost when you when 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 people just want to cover it over and eliminate it by saying all lives matter again, which is a true statement. But I hope people can appreciate the, some of the subtlety there. Yeah, Deegan, one of the things that I hear um, from a lot of well, from a lot of white people is. I feel like I can't say anything and I can't not say not say something. And there's a lot of people that feel deeply guilty, um, especially kind of right after the death of George Floyd. There was a lot of white people that that were just saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'll do better. I'm listening. And, and in some regard, I, I thought, oh, awesome. You know, and, and I felt that, you know, this this deep sympathy but I was also a little bit concerned about people perhaps picking up a sin that didn't belong to them. And, um, and I'd be curious kind of your, your thoughts on what is, particularly those of us that, what, the, those of us that are white, what's our real role to listen, to speak, to advocate, to pray, to, you know, how do we, how do we kind of find that balance? Because I think a lot of people feel like I can't, I can't say something because I'm going to get smacked and I can't not say something because people are going to think that I'm being quiet. Right. right. And, and this whole thing about white guilt and all this, you should feel guilty for slavery and all Give me a break. And, you know, um, I, I've had, I've been around, uh, white people my whole life. Like the parish I grew up in was white. I mean, some of my best and closest friends. It doesn't matter. Look, what, what we have to do is this. Here, here's here's what I would say to this. You know, it, it all comes down to me is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, uh, Samaritans in the eyes of Jews, they were aliens. They were they were enemies. There were hostilities between the Jews and the Samaritans. <clears throat> um, and, and when Jesus tells that parable, you know, here's a Jewish person at the side of the road that was mugged. And then, so another Jewish person, the the, the the priest walks by and doesn't acknowledge him, just walks right by him. Um, the the uh, Levite walks by, just ignores him. Um, and of course, if we tell that story today, you would say, you know, oh, of course I would stop and help the person. Of course I would, because we want to think of ourselves as, you know, yes, I, I would jump in there. You know, I'd be the one. Of course I would help to end slavery if I was back there at that time. Because we'll think about it like this. What if the guy at the side of the road, uh, the guy that was almost dead, was the police officer who, who killed George Floyd? Mm. As we walk by that officer who's on the side of the road, and knowing what he did, you know, the, the anger and the hatred we feel, <laughs> the hearts would burn like a fire, right? And, and we would say, you deserve it. And, and maybe, just like the priest Levi, walk by and not give him a second thought. But the Lord tells us that we must be good Samaritans. Why? The Samaritan exemplified a new standard of holiness, where God no longer wants his people to be separate from each other, but calls us to extend mercy to everyone in need and to exclude no one on the grounds of prejudice and hatred. Um, And so our Lord gives us no other options. In order to defeat the power of sin and evil, we must be 
the Samaritan. So that's what I would say to our white brothers and sisters. Be the Samaritan. Be the Samaritan. Don't just sit by and say, oh, that's too bad. I mean, again, one of the things I would do is, like, again, open up the parishes. Have people, if you don't have, a, 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 like, for example, you have a group of Hispanic people in the parish, and they go to the, 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 the Spanish Mass. You, go, you have Vietnamese, you go to the Vietnamese Mass. And then no one mingles. You know, because that's their mass in their language. We have this separatism. And what we have to do is break those walls down. And I think by coming together as a family of Christ and um, bringing the richness and deepness of the faith and, and having folks just talk and open themselves and just hear their stories and hear their struggles and, and recognize how even similar we are in a lot of ways. I think that can go a long way to breaking down the, the walls of prejudice and hatred. Deacon, as you're talking there, I'm, I'm thinking about how Reverend Martin Luther King, um, it seemed like he was advocating, like his dream was more of some, almost like a colorblind society. And yet it seems as if today um, it's not about being colorblind, it's about recognizing the differences, but then almost going beyond that. So is there, I mean, for your perspective, um, should we be advocating more for sort of Martin Luther King's approach of colorblind, or or is it important to um, the cultural diversity you're just speaking to, but but looking beyond that? What's the the distinction there? Which way ought we to go? Well, I think we need to be colorblind in our hearts. You know, I mean, I don't think it's any... See, here's what I want to avoid. I'll give you an example. I was in Chicago speaking at an event called Holy Fire, which is like the NCYC for middle school students. 5,000 kids on Friday, another, a different set of 5,000 kids on Saturday. I was walking, I was just in a suit, tie, crucifix, deacon pin. I was walking into the elevator. There was one other lady in there, white lady in there. I, not, I smiled and nodded my head to acknowledge her, and her eyes got big. She moved to the back of the elevator and grabbed her purse. Uh, you know, and I got to tell you, stuff like that hurts. Yeah. You know, and she, again, she saw a big black guy, even though I'm dressed nice, walking to the elevator, she immediately got scared. Now, I don't like when people are afraid. I mean, I'm a big old teddy bear, man. <laughs> but, 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 she, but she couldn't see that. She couldn't really see me. She couldn't see me. And that's what we want people just, I want to look at a person. I want to, like, I want to see a woman. I don't want to see you know, I don't want the porn movie to start playing in my mind when I see her. I want to see someone made in the image and likeness of God. I think women are the most beautiful creatures that God has ever created. But we've allowed these learned behaviors to dictate to us how we respond to people when we look at them. As soon as we see someone, we make a judgment about them. And we have to see beyond that. That's why I think when Martin Luther King was talking about, he was about seeing with the eyes, the, the color blindness of our hearts, recognizing that, you know, wh- wherever this bias came from, that I have it, and work to conquer it. And the only way you can do that is through, is through conversion and reconciliation. Um, again, the, uh, my roommate in college, when, first thing he, literally the first thing he said to me, he walked into the room and he saw me, he goes, you're black. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, it's going to be a long year. You know? <laughs> but, and that was our freshman year at Notre Dame. But then but by the end of the year, because he, he was so open, because he'd never been around black people. He had one city, he had one black person in his high school. And so he got to know me. And when I, when I put my guitar, I was playing, I think it was playing Panama. 
by Van Halen. I didn't know black people listen to that kind of music. He would just say stuff like that. And I would laugh. And then we got to, he got to know me. We got to know each other over that year. We ended up rooming together the next year. And we ended up being each other's weddings later wow. on after graduation. Wow. So, so, I mean, it, 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 was, it was wonderful to see how, how uh, my, my roommate had changed over the years once he got to know me as a person. Right. It broke down a lot of walls and a lot of barriers in his heart and in his life. And we became, you know, like really, really close friends. So, um, and, 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 I, and I truly believe that, Martin, that Dr. King's vision uh, can be realized because the, the, the message and the power of the, of the love of our faith and love of Jesus Christ uh, can conquer all. We just have to put forth that, that work and that effort to do that. Deegan, earlier we were talking about national leadership and national movements and and these big organizations, that kind of thing. But what's really moving to me about that that example is that it simply started in your own dorm room. And uh, what would you say to people about the importance of this starting in their own home? This this conversation, this virtue, all of that. Well, yeah, we have to. Okay, so we start with the domestic church. The church of the home, right? <laughs> because that's that's where the children learn to fall in love with Jesus, and so these are things that parents have to pass on to their children. You know, um, uh, when I was growing up, I was around a lot of adults where they would tell jokes, like you know, racial jokes. It's supposed to be funny, but but over time, those things I think subliminally work into your psyche, work into your conscience, and and that's and that's part of that learned behavior. So what we have to do is we have to undo that. Because look, remember <coughs> you see little kids playing together. Little three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds on the playground or whatever, they don't care what color. They don't care. They're just kids playing. And so the, the, the racism and the prejudices, the biases that are learned. So what we have to do is to break those cycles, and we have to start that with the family. We have to start that with the family. So if you're a white family, buy a black doll for your kids, you know, to, to see that, that, that beauty is not just one color. You know, so buy a, a black Barbie doll for your daughter, you know, or a black G.I. Joe for your son, your wife. But things, little things like that. But, of course, we have to make the gospel come alive and, and be real. So, so one of the things you could do is read the gospel um, at dinner, you know, with the kids. Just say, what's Jesus saying here? And, and this is why it's important that we treat every single person, no matter what color, we treat every single person with dignity and respect, because that's what Jesus would do. And then we have to move it to the parish. You know, as I said, I've I, I recommended a few things that parishioners can do, especially if it's around food and potluck and just and hearing those stories and really getting to know people as, as human beings and not just the person who attends this Mass or that Mass. Or, you know, and, and, and I think we, we start there. We start within our, our own inner sphere of influence, and, in that, and that, there's no question in my mind that could branch out and have ripple effects throughout our entire country. Deacon, I, I think it's we've got about five, six minutes left, and I, I, I want to make sure be remiss upon us if we weren't explicit on something here. Um, racism is defined by the Catholic Church as a sin. So <laughs> just to be clear that the church absolutely unequivocally condemns the sin of racism, whether it's in an individual or in a family or in a parish context, um, is, is there maybe, you, you said 
I, I love what you said earlier about how you know statements are one thing, but but we need to 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 lead more on this. Um, and yet there is value, isn't there, in um, being reminded of the fact that the church categorically condemns looking down on somebody because of their color of their skin as a sin. Yes, absolutely. And um, and that's uh, that's one of the things we need to do. And I think, you know, especially during this time of, of COVID-19 pandemic and, um, and lockdowns and things like that, this is a really good time to take a, a spiritual stop sign. A spiritual stop. Like when you pull up the car, you get to the stop sign, you stop, you look left and right before you proceed forward. And I think this time of COVID-19 is a, is a, a spiritual sign from God, a spiritual stop sign to stop and really take um, a self-evaluation. Where I am right now in my walk with God, you know, to be really cognizant of, of, of really seriously looking within ourselves and, and asking, okay, I'm, I'm such and such a year old. Here's what's going on in my life right now. A- am I called to be in deeper relationship with God? What are the things that are holding me back? from having a, a deeply intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving communion with the living God. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are there things I could be doing differently? Is, is this a time where I could be doing more prayer? Can I get closer to the Blessed Virgin Mary? You know, uh, am I giving enough time to, to Eucharistic adoration? Um, what, what example am I giving to my children right now? Am I just bringing home a paycheck, or am I actually imparting the beauty of the faith to them. I mean, there's so much opportunity right now. Yes, we're restricted in the, in, in the corporeal sense from, from doing things, but our minds are not. Mm-hmm. Our minds are not restricted at all. So I think there's an opportunity to really to do a deep dive uh, of self-reflection. And, uh, and, and if you haven't been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, go! Go back to confession. Go back to communion. You know, bring yourself back into the life of the Church. And pray. You know, um, praying, I think, is one of the absolute best things that, that we can do, especially ask, uh, asking for the intercession uh, of the Blessed Mother. Deacon, can you talk about the role of silence in that? Because as I've pulled up to the stop sign that you're talking about, I feel like there's been ambulance sirens going <laughs> off, there's been dogs barking, some guy is yelling across the street at his neighbor. I mean, it's, it's been, the world has been really loud. Um, I think for a lot of people, uh, get on Facebook and you can see that pretty readily. What's the role of silence there? Silence is absolutely critical. Absolutely critical in, in helping us to listen to the voice of God and allowing that voice to change our life. You know, Psalm 46, verse 11 says, Be still and know that I am God. And the word there in Hebrew for know is yawda, which means knowledge that's gained by experience. So you can translate that, uh, be still and experience God. It's mm-hmm. in that silence and in that quiet where God, we can really hear God's voice because God is speaking to us interiorly in our hearts. And in order to hear that voice, we must be quiet. We have to block out all the noise, block out all the distractions so that we can truly listen to how God is speaking to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it allows the space for that. And I think, um, 
I, I love that you just that you used the word it's absolutely critical and and it kind of goes back to that question I had earlier about um, a lot of people feeling like uh, I need to say something because I don't want people to think that I'm a racist but I also feel like I can't say anything because this hasn't been my experience and and I just keep on thinking you know there's a case for silence here to be made and and for people to really reflect on that so I think that's beautiful well get- especially if you want to say something, Maybe do it after a period of silent reflection. Yeah. Reflect yeah. on your own life, your own experience, and then say something. Yes. Now you have something to say because now you, you've allowed God into your personal space and allow God to help you ref- reflect deeply on what's going on in your heart. Now you have something substantive to say um, and, and not just mouthing words and not just going along with the, with the rhetoric. You're actually saying something meaningful. Yeah. Deacon, we've got just uh, a little less than a minute left. Uh, and any, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, you know, we are a church of, of the, the uh, faith, supernatural grace, <laughs> right? Faith, hope, and love. And, and um, despite what's going on, you know, I tell people not to worry. You know, um, God is with us. God fights with and for us. King David knew that. Um, that's why he was afraid of Goliath. He knows that God fights with and for him. So we cannot be afraid to live out our baptismal call to holiness with passion and fervor. To stand, not be afraid to stand up for truth and justice and peace. And when Jesus says, "Go and do likewise," we do, by cooperating with the grace that receive in the sacraments of the church, that we can be living signs and witnesses of God's love and mercy to the world. Amen. Preach. <laughs> Deacon Harold Brooks, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insight and wisdom with us. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. You betcha. God bless you, Deacon. That's it for this first 45 minutes of Real Presence Live. We've got more great segments coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.